hand, playing the grieving widow, reminding him of Billy for the rest of his life. Last night's row with Taggy had ended up with her sleeping in the spare room, and there not speaking all day. He was tempted to ring her in the kitchen and make it up. Instead, he poured himself another glass of whiskey. On the wall opposite were monitors on which he could watch his own horses and the progeny of his stallions and brood mares winning races all over the world. On the left wall, flanked by framed photographs of victorious horses, hung the stubs of Rupert Black and Third Leopard, winner of the St. Ledger and for five years leading sire. Today there were two ways a horse could become leading sire. Either if he were the stallion whose offspring had clocked up the most wins in a year, or, more importantly, if those offspring had earned the most prize money. Verdi's Requiem, a dark brown Irish triple crown winner, had topped the leading sire charts for Great Britain and Europe for fifteen years, but now, aged twenty-five, his reign must be drawing to a close. Opening the racing post, Rupert noted Bloodstock News had predicted a bloody battle to topple Verdi's Requiem between Rupert Campbell Black's Love Rat and Isa Lovell's Roberto's Revenge. Rupert ground his teeth. Isa Lovell, ex-champion jockey and ex-son-in-law, had worked uneasily for Rupert for ten years, learning everything he could about training and breeding, before defecting to start his own yard directly in competition with Rupert. Even worse, Isa had joined forces with Cosmo Ranaldini, the fiendish little son of Rupert's arch-enemy, the late great conductor Roberto Ranaldini. Married to Rupert's first wife, Helen, Roberto had not only tried to rape Rupert's daughter, Tabitha, but had managed to batter to death Taggy's little mongrel, Gertrude, when she tried to protect Tabitha. In the Campbell Black canon, it was arguable which was the greater crime. Cosmo and Isa were proving maddeningly successful with the progeny of Roberto's revenge, particularly with a cult called Feud for Thought, which had just beaten Rupert's cult Dardanius in the Derby. Cosmo had inherited a great deal of money from his father, but he and Isa were spending such a fortune on yearlings and two-year-olds that someone must be bankrolling them. Rupert would kill to stop them beating him to leading sire. Loverat must topple Verdi's requiem. In the still-baking evening, out in the fields, he could see foals lying flat and motionless, except for their frantically waving tails. Rupert's four dogs, Jack Russell's, Cuthbert and Gilchrist, a brindle greyhound called Forrester, and a black Labrador called Banquo, panted in their baskets. Up on a monitor, evening racing had started at the Curra, Ireland's greatest race course. Rupert hoped one of Loverat's progeny, Promiscuous, would win a later race there. Promiscuous had been trained by Rupert's old stable jockey, the also lascivious Bluey Charteris, who'd married an Irish trainer's daughter and managed to stay faithful enough to take over his father-in-law's yard. Bluey and Isa Lovell, doing so well, made Rupert feel old. Overwhelmed with sadness and restlessness, he rang Valant Edwards, who had just married Etta Bancroft, the owner of Grand National winning Mrs. Wilkinson, and who was now back from their honeymoon. We ought to discuss Mrs. Wilkinson, he said. Come over and have a drink. The moment he rang off, the telephone rang again. No, you can't have a discount on three mares, 
said Rupert tersely, and poured himself another glass of whiskey. There was a knock on the door, and a very pretty blonde, with an utterly deceptive air of innocence, walked in. Dora Belverden was the eighteen-year-old daughter of Rupert's late friend, Raymond Belverden, and his much younger second wife, Anthea. A gold digger and an absolute bitch, Anthea had never given Dora enough pocket money. As a result, Dora had supported herself, her dog Cadbury, and her pony Lufa, by flogging stories to the tabloids. For the past two years, as well as acting sporadically as Rupert's press officer, she had been ghosting his contentious, highly successful column in the Racing Post. She also wrote a column supposedly by Mrs. Wilkinson's stable companion, a goat called Chisholm in the Daily Mirror. Missing her sweet father desperately, an itinerant Dora found comfort spending time at Penscombe, where she could always grab a bed if needs be. In addition,